0: Sphalia.
1: Sphalia. Sphalia. What time is it? Did I miss it?
0: <laughs> now, did you look up how to pronounce that word? Because I had. To- yes,
1: I looked it up and I listened to it. And actually, on Google, you can click and practice it, and it'll tell you if you're saying it correctly or not. And I did it several times.
0: Now, it's an Italian <laughs> word, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's pure Italian or pure Portuguese, but I know that it means wake up in whatever hybrid language it might be.
0: Well, we've got a very interesting challenge discussing this story today, and I may may slip and pronounce it Sveglia, just because in my mind that's what it was before looking it up. But welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una.
1: And I am the Sleepy Crypto.
0: If you are new to the Codex Cantina, we take the most important literature that has influenced even today's writers. If you're down for a conversational approach to literature, hit that subscribe button to join us. And as
1: always, we start off the publication information. Report on the Thing by Clarice Lispector was published, we don't know when, exactly 100%. We do know that it came out in Where Were You at Night, which came out in 1974. Our version was translated by Katrina Dotson, and we'll leave a link down in the description where you can read for free. Now, these
0: are interesting stories in this collection because this is later on in Clarice's life as she's 53, 54, depending on when she's writing and when she's publishing these. And she tends to write these stories from the mature generation, people who are looking back on their childbearing years or on years when they were mothers and housewives and and young women as opposed to now as they're approaching their aging years, they're looking at maybe life a little bit differently than that they were before.
1: Yeah, I think this story is a great example of how when people get older in their lives they start turning to religion or mysticism or some type of spirituality and I think here we really have a beautiful story with some very clear language of how she's trying to express what she did with her life.
0: And story feels like a strange word to use for this because it's not like there's not like rising plot climax falling action this is this is the musings of a woman and i think we get to see some concepts of how language fails us sometimes about how we, we're we on the tip of our tongue we're able to know what something is but we can't find the right words to describe it and maybe in the same way as as crypto just alluded to as moser even alludes to in a lot of uh, her biography is Clarice was constantly on the search for what was God, what was God's intent, design, what was the perfect word for God. As A lot of Jewish mystics tended to search for this, and this story, I feel like, kind of encapsulates a lot of that struggle in a very kind of interesting— I don't even want to use the word story. It's like amusing—
1: yeah, I felt like this was almost a stream of consciousness. Not quite. I mean, there's no, no real way to describe this one as pure prose or I don't know. And I was trying to come up with an articulate way of saying what this truly is, but... I don't think there's a word for it, and that I think is kind of meta in itself, because that's what she's saying in this story.
0: Well, it reminds me a lot about how those fans of the older years of Beatles or Miles Davis, when a lot of the bands became more and more experimental after they hit their initial success. It became a lot harder to describe their aesthetic, but you've got these different fans that'll die on the hill of this is exactly what that song meant, and and it conflicts with these people's stories. That's kind of what I feel like that feeling of, as clear she got older we have a few more even more uh, experimental ways of writing and this is a story where she kind of really does a, a fun job I think of experimenting with language.
1: Indeed I think this is what classifies her as a genius. Uh, in as an author that is like no other because you can't classify her as a writer and put her in this little niche box because something like this comes out of nowhere and is so unique so late in her life. It's just like, wow, this woman just kept on giving uniqueness and uniqueness and uniqueness over and over. It is really, really a joy.
0: So for plot, I wrote, a woman thinks about a clock called Sphalia and muses on time, language, and reality. And plot. I I don't know what else to say. Uh, not much actually physically happens or changes, though she thinks a lot about a lot of different things. And one of the ways that I I took this story in was thinking about it from an associative thinking perspective. For those of you that have followed along with our The Sound and the Fury, we went super in-depth on what associative thinking is. Like, let's say you had two memories where you remember one day when you're at the beach, and you also have a memory of one day when you're younger at a barn. And at the beach, let's say, like a little crab or something, you know, grabbed onto the, you know, the seat of your pants and maybe even ripped it. And all of a sudden, that makes you think, and you jump back to when you were younger at a barn, and you had caught the seat of your pants maybe on a nail and ripped that. And just like the idea of the two rippings kind of connected these two thoughts. And all of a sudden, kind of like daydreaming, you were starting off in one thing, then you ended up on something completely different based on, like, some similar characteristics, in this case, the ripping of pants, Clarice does a really good job of using that, and exploring just very an interesting way of what does time and clock and and the universe mean to me <laughs> she wakes up one morning
1: yeah I think it's interesting that she chose time to do this because it's, it's something that we all have to contend with in life and I know a lot of times when I think about memories it usually goes back to a smell or a sound a song something like that but to use time as not only the passage of our lives but to interconnect our lives is something that I think is a monumental task and she does it beautifully here with so little happening in the story
0: well and we We have this quote We divide time when in reality it is not divisible. It is always immutable, but we need to divide it. And to that end, a monstrous thing was created the clock. I really like this opening because when you think about time and how, like, can I give you 15 minutes back after ending a meeting early or do you have the time? Like, we use language to describe time, but as she points out, it's this immutable concept in our lives, like this this dimension that's constantly plodding forward, and we, we really abuse the usage of the word time a lot of times, and we even give it names, right? In this, we have Svalia <laughs> is the object, it is the thing, with a capital letter but that doesn't really capture the essence of what time is.
1: No, exactly. And I think that's why the word is used so often in the story of wake up, wake up, wake up, is that it's not referring just to, hey, you were sleeping, it's wake up to your life, because this passage of time is eking away as you make choices throughout.
0: I can see that. I, I took a- also kind of like a very meta <laughs> look at this, when we have quotes like, no, it just is. And in fact, Sphaglia has no intimate name. It preserves its anonymity. Besides, God has no name. He preserves perfect anonymity. There is no language that utters his true name. And this is a very common thing. I, I don't understand a lot about Kabbalism or Jewish mystics, but I do know one thing that's been explained to me is that they're, they're searching for what's that perfect name or the thing is what you're calling out to. What is the official name for God? God is just the word we gave it in the same way that we give this immutable, plodding-forward force of time, time. It's just a word, in the same way that God is just a word we invented. But you know, Clarice was always struggling with, with what does he view himself as? What does he call himself? What's that perfect word? And I'm probably not describing it perfectly because my language is not perfect. Um, and I think that's also part of the point of the story, is how language fails us when trying to describe the essence of something.
1: I I love that because there's another quote that kind of goes along with that in the story where uh, Sphalia is dumb. It acts covertly without premeditation. I'm going to now say a very serious thing that will seem very like heresy. God is dumb because he... (laughs) doesn't understand he doesn't think he just is and it's like oh wow because at first you feel like that she's attacking god but then you start to realize and reflect back and think wait a minute she's saying that we don't understand god because our language is something so simplistic that it can't encapsulate something that is so vast and unknowing and i I love that that she calls this out
0: yeah, it's interesting. And mysticism is something that goes back to early parts of the Bible. Like if you remember the book of Ezekiel, one of the openings is like that image that that he kind of experienced. It was the, uh, I forget the word, but I think I will say it's either essence or spirit of God, but it wasn't God itself, right? And I think this is something that has kind of intrigued a lot of people of, of what is this mystic vision that, you know, a lot of people claim to have and, and think that these mystic visions— They can't put it in words. When they put it in words, like a lot of us are like, yeah, I don't know if I believe you, right? But to them, it gets them closer to the essence. And the spirit of God is one of the ways that you can kind of look at it as it's not the words. It's almost kind of like that. It's that inescapable feeling or thing that you can't articulate.
1: Exactly. And I know that trying to articulate this in the idea of time, she uses this, you know, metaphorical clock. That is something that's easy for a lot of us to, to you know, grasp that concept because it is something that has changed our entire lives. It changed society. It changed civilization when time could be calculated specifically and mapped out for the entire world to follow along. It changed everything everything of our daily lives and even different civilizations have different ways of tracking time we do birthdays once a year for the earth you know moving around in the universe or whatever but other you know civilizations like native americans and other you know cultures that we've studied here on the channel is you know have different ways of viewing the passage of time with the moon or how many seasons you're alive it really is something that is interesting that she used a clock for such a, a vast concept.
0: Well, and she does other things too. Like soon she takes that name. Like, so, so this is, so Sveglia is what, while we've been talking a lot about time, it's, it's this abstract concept of, of how do you capture the essence of something? And she used it like for, at one point she compared it to a horse. Sveglia ambles like a white horse roaming free and saddleless. Now later on in the story is when that man goes out and he steps on the candle and remember like the, the nine doctors come by, you know, why nine doctors? Um, and then she she has like that dream that night where you're the when or the man has the dream that night when he was supposed to be amputated and he wakes up and he's fine and the nine doctors come and they're completely confused as to what happens and i think now we're taking that concept of time and almost morphing the clocks vaguely to be god even at this point in time the miracles of god and putting design behind it too right like when when the foot was healed but Sphalia wanted to be victorious, and something happened. And I like this because if it's just time or just something that was happening, that doesn't explain design behind why those things happen. And by now associating the time with God, we're putting a design behind why this man had a miracle, why he suddenly had his foot cured. And the usage of the nine isn't random either. I do know from, from a mysticism standpoint, nine is typically a symbol of completion. Right. After nine comes 10, the next set of numbers. After nine months of pregnancy, pregnancy comes the birth. Right. It's it's the idea of of this being completed and starting over. And that's why we have this. And all of a sudden we have the miracle and we have the 13, you know, the symbol of God. And it's not I, I don't think it's random because later on in the story, we have the quotes about the typewriter. I was hoping to reach nine on the typewriter. The number nine is nearly unattainable. And this is where she's talking about being complete, right? And if we're talking about time and this being at the end of women's lives, what does it mean to be searching for the eternal? What does it mean to be ending your life, I guess, in a sense? And and 9 kind of encapsulates that along with 13, you know, the completeness of God, if you will. Uh, Very interesting the way that she—I don't think she's meaning to use symbols in the traditional way like we always talk about with Clarice. She's kind of coming up with her own mystic usage of it. And just using them as jumping off and leaping points to different pads of things she wants to talk about in the story.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it comes down to life or death. She's questioning her own life here at the end of her life. I don't know if she kind of had an idea of how long she had left. But I think that she definitely is trying to process this like any person. And she's just able to articulate herself better with these words, even though she recognizes her own limitations.
0: But then we digress into all these usages of the word sphalia. And I realize I probably pronounce that different every time. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> right? But it's it's being saved from the flu. And, you know, you're down for three days. And then again, the crucifixion and rebirth after three days, another, you know, very mystic moment in this person being reborn and renewed and that sort of thing. But we end up with the rooster is Sphelia. The egg is pure sphalia. But the egg only when whole, complete white it's shell-dry, completely oval. Inside it is life, wet life. But eating raw yolk is sphalia.
1: <laughs> which, which Sweden is sphalia.
0: <laughs> it's quite the trip. But I loosely have these connections in my head. And notice what this is all wrapped up with, right? This is all wrapped up with sphalia, which is time, which we agreed to start with. So if we're in this loop of creation and destruction, again... When we think about what time is like the start and stop of a day at noon at midnight however you want to classify at 10 20 24 12 12 hour clocks when you finish up one rotation at the completion nine a mass mystical number right what the end of one day is the creation of the next day again the destruction and creation i think it's very interesting the way she muses between these chickens and eggs and time to kind of talk about these moments of creation and completeness and uh, i think she's kind of applying that to an aging woman to say what does complete for me mean
1: yeah but i think it comes back to a more important question coca-cola or pepsi
0: <laughs> you know, and that's a good point. Is this story was just fun, right? Because you yeah. even had that references to Senhor magazine, and in her life, I think even like like maybe it was like one or two within within a relatively short period of time of right now, she had been fired from her previous magazine. And Senhor magazine is another magazine in Brazil that she used to work for. So it's almost kind of like little fun, actual you know references to real life things too. That it just made the story kind of charming for me.
1: Yeah, definitely one that I feel like you could go back to. And every time you're going to fail it to a different degree, right?
0: Well, and to that point, I think there's still some people out there like, what does the clock mean? What's this, what's this creation and destruction thing? I think the best way, if this if this talk was useless for you, which, you know, I apologize if it was, because this is a hard thing to articulate. But the closest thing I can think of is, do you remember the movie Inception when they had those totems? And they spun it to make sure that they were not in a dream. That's how they knew if they were in reality or not, right? Well, it's not that the, the totem didn't matter. The item didn't matter. The fact that you just knew what it was, the weight, the cons- concept of it, and if that thing was no longer what you were used to, you knew that this was all fake, that's the closest I can think to, to what Clarice is trying to get to with this story. Is It's not that you can articulate the exact meaning, the exact symbol of it in the story. It's the idea the essence and then when it's no longer there and you can no longer grasp what it means in your life that's when you know it's moved on
1: i also think the people may be flustered with the figuring out the idea of what is the thing and i don't think there is an answer
0: that's the point it's right this is a report yeah. which is a short story yeah of sorts on a thing right the thing the essence yeah
1: <laughs> this is a very complex story about a very deep idea and i don't think getting caught up in all the little things is going to allow you to maybe pull stuff out of this story, at least from my point of view. We'll
0: leave a Clarice Lispector playlist down below for you to follow along with other Clarice talks. We love, we love her. Now let's move into our rating of this story. Again, not an objective thing. Like we, we can't say this is what the story is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we
0: can only talk about what this story means to us. Crypto, how did this story hit you?
1: Sphalia. Uh, that's the rating I'm going to give it. I don't think I want to give it a number because it it me it, it's emotional. I think it means a lot to different people in different ways, depending on what you'll pick out. And I try to pick out some of the humor. I try to pick out some of the deeper meanings. Uh, You know, was she questioning God? Was she not questioning God? Was she reaffirming her faith to God? Was she upset or disappointed with her own life choices as she's nearing the end of her life? And what does she think comes next in her life? This, you know, rebirth and death cycle. I don't know. Uh, I think that she was just trying to put her own thoughts out there to have other people ask questions as well, and that's what I think it comes down to for her as an author is to always be questioning. Uh, I enjoyed it. I think it's worth a read, and I think that everybody's going to pull out something a little bit different on this one, and there's no way to categorize it. Svelia.
0: I give it a white horse out of 10 is what I (laughs) grant. I don't know if our friend Noah from Everyone Who Reads It Must Converse has talked about wanting to jump into more Clarice and said that he... You we know, consider doing the story. If he does, I will put a link down below. Otherwise, if there's no link over to his channel, and be like, Noah, what the heck, bro? Wait, what's going on?
1: <laughs> Wake up, dude. Get on it. Wake up, <laughs>
0: Svalia! Noah, get on it. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on the chat today. We hope you had some fun. We post videos every Monday and Thursday to join us on the journey. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to join us. Una out.
1: Peace.